We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course I'm joined by my co-host Alex Blethin. We are recording this episode on the Tuesday after Super Bowl 54, where the Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to uh, I thought it was an exciting game personally from start to finish. Alex, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, this year I've been saying that the, the the 49ers are the what the Bears would have been if Cody Parkey made that kick, but I I don't know. I that 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 Shanahan offense is super fun to watch. I, I love the run game. Defense was holding on. Thought it was kind of cowardly to not go for it at the end of the first half when the scores tied ten to ten, but I feel like you need a bigger lead to go against Patrick Mahomes because he just he blew it up at the end of the game and you can't have it that close when someone's that talented on the other end of the field. Yeah. It kind of felt like that uh, last sequence late in the first half where the 49ers could have had, I think just about under a mi- two minutes with all three timeouts or two timeouts. Um, and they could have gone down there at least gotten a field goal and it felt like Shanahan went conservative to a fault in that situation. And uh, that was kind of the difference in the game there uh, from a scoring perspective. And then, of course, like Mahomes late in the game, it wasn't his best game for sure. I thought for the first three quarters, he actually looked pretty bad for most of the for the most part. But mm-hmm. sometimes the you know a great player, it isn't always about being excellent all the time. It's when you're you know not at 100 percent or when you're having a rough game, can you do what's necessary late or uh, do just enough to pull off the win? And that's what Patrick Mahomes did. Uh, felt like. You know, once the 49ers had to go to Jimmy Garoppolo late in the game that uh, they kind of went away from what their identity was, which is running the ball all the, all throughout, throughout the playoffs. And uh, that ended up, you know, not really being – not being good in the end for them as it just worked out in the Chiefs' favor. Uh, congratulations to Kansas City, the Chiefs. Now officially in the offseason period, there are no more games for the next eight to nine months or so as – Every single team in the NFL is going to try and retool and rebuild with the goal of winning the Super Bowl in 2020. For the Chicago Bears, obviously this starts in free agency where a lot of tough decisions and move are going to have to be made if they wish to make the playoffs next season. So for this episode, it's going to be the first of a two-part series for us where we're going to be previewing the free agency period for the Bears. This first episode is going to look at the offense and then the next one will look at the defense. So keep your... Uh, 
eyes out for that one, Bears fans. And, of course, we're just going to be looking for any ways that the Bears can improve in free agency. So hopefully uh, we can cover all that in this episode here. But before we get into the details and the nitty-gritty, we're going to take our first break of the show with a little uh, advertisement from our sponsors. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, looking at how the Bears can improve this offseason by looking at the offense first and seeing what they can do there and what moves need to be made in order to get this offense to where it was one of the three or five worst offenses in all football in 2019. And how can they improve this from a roster standpoint to get to at least around league averages, which was where they were at in 2018, which ultimately helped propel them into the playoffs. But first, we're going to have to look at ways that wish the Bears can free up some cap space because while I wouldn't necessarily say that the Bears are in uh, disarray when it comes to their cap situation, there definitely is a lot of room to where they need to free up some cap space if they're going to make the necessary moves this offseason. Yeah, um, we we have one of the, the tighter cap situations in the league, but also when you look at it, we have we also have the ability to clear up more space than the average team. So I think we'll actually be able to get around the league average and uh, free money this off season, which will be good because we have a very talented roster, but we still do have some big needs to fill. Yeah. And the league average is around 40 to 45 million in terms of cap space. So when I look at some of the cuts that the Bears could make in order to get there, obviously the first one that comes to mind is Kyle Long, who is officially retiring from the NFL. Um, by moving on for him, the Bears could save around $8 million. That's That's probably already in, in the cards already for them. I'm assuming that's already factored into their, into, to their cap for the next year. Um, but you look at some of the other big cap hits on this team that could be moved on from in this offseason. The big one is Leonard Floyd at around $13 million due to that fifth-year option. They can move on from that completely uh, and just rescind the entire fifth-year option with no guaranteed uh, fallout from that. Prince of Mucamara, they could save about $8 million by moving on from him at that cornerback spot. And then look at some smaller cuts, like Ben Bronicker at tight end, Adam Shaheen at tight end. You can save up about $3 million in total for those type of cuts there. And then another one at wide receiver, Taylor Gabriel. You could save about $4.5 million by moving on from him at the wide receiver spot which is definitely, I think, something that the Bears will look into because there's a lot of talent at that wide receiver position. And, you know, I don't think they want to mess with some of the young guys and what they're doing to kind of establish their roles within the offense. Yeah, and I think um, two of the names you mentioned, Taylor Gabriel and Leonard Floyd, I think both of them are team are players that other teams would have some interest in. So I think not only could we clear up cap space there, but we could also pick, pull in another fifth or sixth round pick. Um, I know that Dante Fowler, when he was with the Jaguars, he was traded to the Rams for, I believe, a fourth round pick. And I think they're similar players and talent. Floyd was making more money. So I think a, perhaps a fifth round compensation pick um, would be, a, would be a good target for what Floyd's worth would be on the market. Yeah, I could definitely see that as a possibility. I think Taylor Gabriel could also be an option for trade because he is a, a deep threat, like we've mentioned, um, and his cap hit isn't too big. I mean, when you trade or move on from him, you know, he's going to have no more guaranteed left on his deal. He's going to have about two years left, and that might be something for many teams who, even though this wide receiver class in the, in the draft is supposed to be pretty stacked, there are many teams out there that are looking to add some veteran options uh, to their wide receiver cores. So moving on from a guy like Taylor Gabriel, you could probably get a sixth or seventh round pick. Um, and that would be pretty good value for the Bears instead of just cutting him and getting him for nothing. Um, in terms of some other things they could do to clear up some cap space, they can also make some important extensions on this roster. The big one, of course, is Allen Robinson. Um, if they extend Allen Robinson and kind of 
restructure his deal a little bit in the process, they could save nearly $8 million in cap room, uh, which would go a long way towards freeing up some cap space and allowing this Bears team to add a lot of talent in this offseason. It sounds like they're in discussions right now from uh, what I've been hearing, what we've been hearing in terms of rumors. Um, it's just about whether they can get a deal done or not, and we'll just have to wait and see on that. Overall, the Bears, when I look at all these all these cuts that could be made, if all these come to pass, the Bears can have around $50 million in cap space, and that would be pretty significant um, overall. So that's that's definitely good a good position to be in, I think, overall. And it's just a matter of are they willing to make those tough cuts and um, what their overall strategy is in terms of upgrading this roster. Yeah, and a couple other names that pop up are uh, Patrick O'Donnell and also Corderell Patterson, even though he was uh, just one of the best special teamers in all of football this year. Uh, five and a half million is pretty hefty paycheck for a special teams only. So I think that Pace needs to have a, a sit down with Nagy and be able to figure out, is Nagy going to be able to get Patterson more involved in the offense, whether it be a running back three role like he played for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, or if he's going to be in more plays on uh, as a wide receiver with um, potentially Taylor Gabriel gone. If that happens, then I think he is definitely worth keeping around just for the, the veteran leadership and the special teams plus. But if he's not also involved in the offense, I think that's just too big of a, a check to cut. Yeah, and those are the type of tough conversations that the Bears are going to have to have at Hallis Hall and some of the tough decisions that are going to have to be made. Uh, like I mentioned, the Bears could have anywhere from around 45 to 50 million in cap space if all these moves are made, or if le- at least most of these moves are made. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is most teams like to have around five to 10 million in cap space heading into training camp and after the draft, because you never know when injuries are going to hit. You never know when some guys are going to re- get released at the last minute before training camp. So you want to have some cap space in order to add some veteran talent uh, later mm-hmm. in the process. So that's one thing to keep in mind. So while they could have theoretically around 50 million, it's really more like 40 million uh, per se to actually go out and spend with for this off season. So it's something to definitely keep in mind. But with that said, we're going to transition now to some of the top needs for the bears. And I think we've identified three for the bears in this off season. I think they're pretty obvious for most people that have been following this team. Uh, the big one is obviously going to be quarterback, which you know, the bears had bottom three quarterback play for Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel in 2019, they have to upgrade that position or at least look to address that in some shape or form this offseason. Uh, the other one would be right guard or interior offensive line, however you want to phrase that there. That right guard spot, though, was a giant hole for them uh, once Kyle Long was injured. Even when Kyle Long was you know, relatively healthy and playing in the lineup, he was definitely not the same that we saw uh, from him earlier in his career. Uh, most certainly. And of course, tight end, which the Bears had laughable production from the tight end group last season. I think they even barely had 100 yards receiving total from that position group, if I have that correct. Just not good whatsoever. But we're going to start with the quarterback position. What we're going to do is we're going to look at each of these positions, uh, some of the top players available in this free agency period. And later on in this episode, we're going to then look at how we would personally address these positions in free agency. So I'm going to start off with you, Alex, looking at this quarterback spot. Who are some of the guys, some of the bigger names that could be available for the Bears in this offseason at quarterback? Yeah, um, there could be a good chunk of names available. Um, a few that you, I see a lot around on uh, Bears Twitter, but we expect them to just stay with their current teams. Our guys like Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, Drew Brees. Um, and then some other hotter commodities are guys like Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, and then some uh, trade options as well. Yeah, this, as opposed to many other years, I feel like this is a pretty good year if you're a team looking to get a veteran quarterback, at least it's a stopgap option. Definitely not, definitely not a franchise quarterback, I think, out of all these names on the board, although you could argue – a Tom Brady at, even though at his age, you know, he, he declined quite a bit this past year, but overall there are a lot of options here. I think starting with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, we'll start there. You know, if you want somebody to be 
an approximation of Alex Smith. I feel like Bridgewater is probably the best choice out of those names listed. And he'd probably be uh, the most opportunistic in, in, in terms of the Bears going, being able to afford him. I think his cap value is probably somewhere around 15 to 20 million uh, on a per year basis, somewhere around that mark. Um, he proved to be a pretty good game manager for the Saints, and they went 5-0 and with him as a starter, although he really wasn't asked to do much. You know, it was really just, you know, don't mess up and then let the entire team uh, kind of help you out around him. But what are your thoughts on Bridgewater, and do you think he would be a viable option for the Bears? Um, I, I, I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum on Teddy Bridgewater as uh, most people. So – I have my own little list of stats on Teddy, but Teddy's a guy who I think he's a he's a great guy, and I think he's a leader in the locker room. I love watching him do his little dance after every game, but I have a couple beefs with him. Is One, he's not a mobile quarterback, and he doesn't have a good arm. So Teddy this year, he finished dead last in the NFL for average yards in the air per throw. So that's something that Mitch struggled with a bit, and Teddy finished below him in that stat. So that's a little concerning for me as well. Um, NFL game statistics and information had Teddy as the 24th best quarterback at intermediate throws, 21st in short throws. So neither of those are very impressive to me, but he did come in first in passes behind the line of scrimmage, which I think is where a lot of his yardage came. So that's something just that makes me open my eyes a little bit more because while he is better than Mitch Trubisky, I think, I just don't know if he's worth sinking. I bet he gets around the Nick Foles deal of four years, $88 million. I'm just not sure that having $31 million invested into the QB position, nine being Mitch, 22 being Teddy, is a good situation to be in going forward. Yeah, I kind of agree there. If he's getting a Nick Foles type of contract uh, with the Jaguars, I think that's a hard pass for me. I like Teddy more around that $15 million range, but anything above that kind of gets a little bit dicey after that. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of some of the other options, you kind of mentioned Marcus Mariota. He's going to be available. Um, you know, he was benched, of course, for Ryan Tannehill this past year, and the Titans went on a, a very impressive run all the way to the AFC Championship. Uh, Mariota has really struggled throughout his career. He's dealt with injuries, but we know that Ryan Pace was very high on him back in t- 2015. Uh, he's just His career just hasn't really worked out. Uh, one thing to keep in mind when thinking about Mari- Mariota joining the Bears him and Mitch Trubisky have the same agent. So that is something that could eventually keep him from joining the Bears because his agent might wa- might not want to uh, kind of put those guys against each other in terms of um, those guys competing in camp. You might want those guys to go after different opportunities, um, so to speak. Yeah, that was, that was a big concern for me as well because Mariota, I feel like he's a guy who – he might sign a one-year, $4 million deal just to whatever team he thinks he has the best chance of winning the job because he knows he can get backup money for the rest of his career purely off of what he did in college and being young. But I'm sure he wants a little more than backup money, and the best way to do that is to, to take a prove-it deal and go out and prove it. But I'm not sure an agent would – put those two against each other because then one of them is getting a short end of the stick. Yeah, I, I just don't see that happening. I think ideally Mariota would be a good option similar to Ryan Tannehill with Tennessee where you bring him in and he can push push Trubisky for that starting job. And then if Trubisky struggles again, maybe he can take over and kind of resurrect his career. But that agent thing is a big deal, I think. And it just kind of makes me think that he's probably not an option for the Bears this offseason. But one player that could be an option for them is the player that was picked ahead of him in the 2015 draft, Jameis Winston, who had an historic 2019 season as the first quarterback to throw for 30 touchdowns in a season, as well as throw for 30 interceptions in the same season. So, I mean, if the Bears decide to go in that that direction, they're bringing in a historically relevant quarterback, I'd say, but I'm not sure if that's a, a good thing for them. 
um, in this case? Yeah. Um, I, I think he gets franchise tagged. I think Arians wants another year with him just to see if, I mean, Jameis Winston's an, he's extremely talented and he, he looks like an amazing quarterback at times, but I think there must be uh, something missing. He might not be intelligent enough to process plays or maybe the work ethic's not there, but there is something missing and, I'm sure Arians wants to go in there and fix it and fix him and get this talented quarterback, but that's that's a situation where that's a roller coaster you don't want to be on per se. Yeah, I've heard rumors that he's looking for like actual starter level money around thirty million per year, and there's no way if I'm the Bears, I'm even approaching that level of money. You know, for fifteen less maybe, but. No way I'm going after him for $30 million per year. Uh, I, I'd say this for Winston. He'd be an exciting player in terms of you just never know what's going to happen on every single play. But mm. you're trying to compete and get back to the playoffs. You know, I'd, I'd rather go with a safer option, especially with the talent on the Bears and this being a more defensive-minded team. You know, you don't want to put them in a situation where the defense is always in bad situations because James Winston's throwing interceptions left and right in any given game. You just don't want that. Um, but moving on from Winston, there are a bunch of veteran options that could be available for the Bears as well. Um, one of them would be Andy Dalton, who has a connection with new Bears offensive coordinator Bill Lazor. And we did talk about Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers quite a bit. So those three guys have been around in the league for quite a while. And I think all three of them would offer something different to the table, I think, for the Bears. Um, Obviously, I think Andy Dolan would probably be more of a guy that wouldn't be a starter right away for the Bears. He'd probably have to earn a starting position in camp. Or if Trubisky struggles, similar to Ryan Tannehill, he would come in and fill in for him. Um, but if you're going after Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers, even though both of those guys struggled this past year, I think both those guys would have to be the starters right away. At least that's just my thinking, at least. Yeah, I don't think either of them would sign without a – without confirmation that they'd be the starter day one. But those those are guys that they are – all three of them are past their prime. I think all three of them are capable of being a clear upgrade over Trubisky. But it's just a matter of price and also how good that they look, how much of an upgrade are they, and are they worth sinking a, a significant portion of our – 40 to $50 million of cap space into them. Yeah, that's what ultimately comes down to. Do you want to invest that level of money in these guys? Um, and then going beyond free agency, there are a couple options for the Bears in terms of the trade market. Uh, Cam Newton's been a guy that's been on a lot of Bears fans' radars uh, just because you know he's coming off of two years straight where he's been dealing with injuries and hasn't looked quite the same physically. But when he's physically right, there's definitely the chance that he could turn it on back again and be, you know, a Pro Bowl level quarterback once again, like we saw from him back in 2015 or even before that. But the injuries are definitely the concern there. And it's, you know, it sounds like he might even be staying in Carolina for this year. It sounds like they're not ready to get rid of him just yet, although that could definitely change in the next couple of months. Uh, another player to keep on the radar is Derek Carr of the now Las Vegas Raiders. Um, it's rumored that the Raiders are once again looking to move on from him. Uh, he could be a trade or a cut candidate in free agency, but the one intriguing thing for Carr, he has three years left on his deal. All three years are unguaranteed. So uh, that would be an intriguing option for the Bears in terms of the trade market because if they would trade for Derek Carr, not only could they move on from that deal at any time, but his cap hits – for every single year are around 19 million. So it's not particularly uh, very expensive for a starter level quarterback. Yeah, no, I think Derek Carr is, he is my far and away number one trade option. And honestly, I think he's better than every single free agent quarterback by a decent margin as well. I'd much rather have him over the Bridgewaters, the Phillip Rivers, the Cam Newtons of the world, just because he is, he has a lot less question marks around him. So while he doesn't really have a top seven QB upside, 
I know he is a top 10 to 15 quarterback. I think he is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that we, I know that we just saw Jimmy Garoppolo take a team to the Super Bowl. So Derek Carr, even though he's more of a game manager, I'd say he is about the, the best game manager currently in the NFL. So I would like to, I would like to play along with that and see if the Raiders are actually motivated to moving on from him or if it's more just throwing his name out there and hoping they get a godfather offer. Yeah, that, that could definitely be the case as well where, you know, it's kind of been rumored throughout the last two years since Gruden took over the job that he's been looking to move on from Carr, but nothing's really materialized yet. Um, this could be the opportunity to move on from him now that there's no guaranteed money or very little guaranteed money left on his deal. But I agree. I think Derek Carr is probably the best case scenario for the Bears, depending on what they'd have to give up in order to go get him, obviously. But um, Derek Carr, he's a guy that has played at a Pro Bowl level in the past, even a borderline MVP level in the past. You know? So yeah. he'd, be, he'd be a very nice option. And like you said, you know what you're getting out of Carr. You know, he's not going to be very flashy or spectacular, but you know he can manage the game with the best of them. He's going to avoid negative plays in terms of both interceptions and sacks. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. Um, knows how to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Both, you know, that's a, both a positive trait and a negative trait at times, but he's going to play the game safe and he's going to put the ball in the hands of the defense, which is, you know, a strength of the Bears uh, with this team as currently constructed. But moving on from, you know, guys that can come in and be starters, there are going to be some very good backup uh, opportunities and backup options as well for the Bears. Um, I'll start with, with you. Who's your top backup option to upgrade over Chase Daniel? Yeah, I think for quarterback, the biggest need is to get rid of Chase Daniel because Mitch Trubisky, he deserved to have a shorter leash this year, but you couldn't do it when you had one of the worst backups in the NFL. So I'd like to bring in someone who – has some significant starting experience. Uh, a guy I look at, he's under contract with the Chargers, actually, and that's uh, Tyrod Taylor. So uh, just looking at his career numbers, uh, nothing's really eye-popping, but he, he averaged a uh, 62% completion percentage, just under a 90 quarterback rating, 54 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, seven yards per attempt. And – He's only 30 years old, still has his legs, uh, averaged over 25 rushing yards per game. And that that's just a guy who I think he doesn't get the credit for the quarterback he was in Buffalo. He was the one who broke the streak and got them to the playoffs for the first time in all those years. But then he went over to uh, the Browns and floundered a little bit before uh, Baker came in. And that's kind of what killed his market. But I think bringing him in and having a beat competition with Mitch would kind of iron sharpens iron type of situation. Yeah, if the Bears want to go in that direction where they don't want to replace Trubisky outright just as of yet, maybe give him one last opportunity to prove that he can be the quarterback of the future for this team. Tyrod Taylor is an intriguing option. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think does have starter upside, though. He can be a, you know, not a, a top 10 or top 15 guy like a Derek Carr, but he can be a around 20 to 25, you know, top starter mm -hmm. in the NFL if given that opportunity. And I thought he got a bit of a raw deal in Buffalo. It seemed like, you know, that entire season that even when they made the playoffs that year, you know, they benched him for Nathan Peterman, which didn't work out for them, obviously. They went right back to Taylor. Um, you know, he's not flashy. He takes care of the ball pretty well, though, and he, he just plays. He, he's just a game manager, like we said before. And um, you know, would that get the Bears back in the playoffs? I don't know, but it would definitely be an upgrade over Chase Daniel, which was a huge, huge thing for this team last year. And like you said, you know, once Trubisky really started the struggle there in the, in the beginning of the year, there was no backup option. It was mm -hmm. either Trubisky turns it around or, like we saw, the Bears are pretty much screwed and have nowhere to go. Um, I'll go to another free agent quarterback that I'd like to see them bring in or at least entertain the – option of bringing him in if they want to just upgrade that backup role and give Trubisky another chance to start. Um, my guy would be Case Keenum, who would obviously be the clear backup at this point, but he does have the ability to push 
Trubisky for a starting role if he does start to struggle a little bit. Uh, looking at Case Keenum, how he did this past season with the Washington Redskins, he completed about 65% of his passes, 1,707 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, about seven yards per attempt, and 91.3 passer rating. So like we saw with Tyrod Taylor there, nothing spectacular here, but he's proven in the past in earlier stops like Minnesota that when you put him in a situation where he doesn't have all the pressure on, on his shoulders necessarily and he, he can kind of be a game manager, he can win you some games, especially if you have a great defense, with, which the Bears have. Um, and he'd be a clear upgrade over Daniel, which is the big key factor here is upgrading that backup quarterback spot. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I know people might get tired of hearing the Tennessee Titans analogy, but we, we do want a Ryan Tannehill behind our Mariota and not just to hope that the backup will come in and be a stud, but more so that if our quarterback's wrong, we we can still go to the next guy and still feel we have a good chance of winning games. Yeah, because I don't feel like this Bears team is in any position to completely fall off a cliff just yet. There's just too much talent on this roster to where if, you know, the quarterback is an issue once again next year to where this team is going to entirely tank like we saw with the Jaguars uh, following the year they made the playoffs. I think it was in 2017 it was. so. You know, there's just too much talent on this roster overall, I think. And like we said, if they can upgrade over Chase Daniel at the very least, then you hope that, you know, that last year was kind of the baseline of their quarterback play and that they can just improve off of that for next year. Um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. We're going to touch on some other positions, though, to take, to take a look at, starting with tight end. But before we get to that, we're going to take our next break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Uh, we just covered some of the options that the Bears have afforded to them this offseason at the quarterback position. And we kind of discussed how, you know, there's a lot of interesting ways that they can go, a lot of avenues that they can kind of traverse at that quarterback spot. It's all dependent on really what their opinion is of Trubisky's development, what he can be next year, and how much money they're willing to spend in order to upgrade that position. But we're going to move on now to some of the other needs that the Bears need to address in this offseason on the offensive side of the ball, starting with tight end, which, like I said before, it was laughable, really, how little production that the Bears got out of their tight end group in 2019. Uh, once Trey Burton went down to injury, they just had no answers there. And even when Burton was healthy, he wasn't really doing anything whatsoever when he was on the field. So it was just it was just an entirely just a big old mess at that tight end spot. And luckily for the bears though, I feel like there are some intriguing options for them to where they can upgrade that spot with a veteran here and maybe not get Kelsey or Ertz level of production with this Andy Reed, Matt Nagy offense. Um, but it can definitely be a giant upgrade over what they got from a year before. Yeah. And we were hearing it all. Um, year when we first uh, signed Nagy as the head coach. Uh, Pace and Nagy were both talking about how important it is to, to get a tight end into this offense. And we went out and signed Trey Burton to, to fill that role. And while he was super successful the first year, it's since that injury before the playoff game, he's been non-existent ever since. So hopefully it gets right, but that's something we can't count on. So we're just going to have to to look at replacing him. Uh, luckily for us, this is probably the best tight end free agent class that I've seen in a significant period of time. So it's somewhere I'd be more than happy to spend some money on. Yeah, and, and speaking of these tight ends, some of the top guys in the market, I think there's a clear top four here. We're going to look at Hunter Henry, who's the clear number one uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers. You have Austin Hooper, who was on the Atlanta Falcons the last couple of years. Um, he had a very productive year in this last season. Eric Ebron, who didn't really have a great year in 2019, but he had 13 touchdown receptions in 2018, and he obviously has a lot of talent as a top 10 pick um, from a few years back. And then there's Greg Olson, who was recently released by the Carolina Panthers, and is now a free agent 
and available for the Bears to maybe have a reunion of sorts. Um, but for you, Alex, who's your top tight end in the market, and uh, what do you think would probably be the options for these guys in terms of salary and um, what they could provide to the Bears next season? Yeah, um, I think that Hunter Henry is definitely the the best tight end on the market. And I think that even with his health concerns, he'd be looking at setting the record, beating out Tra- Travis Kelsey for the highest paid tight end and getting a like around a four year, $48 million contract, which is, that's, that's colossal. So maybe the chargers will try and avoid that and franchise tag him and see if he is able to stay healthy for a full season before they end up spending that type of capital on him. And then I think a clear number two is Austin Hooper, who I think Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry will both double all the other free agent tight ends in terms of salary. And I think Hooper will come around uh, about $10 million a year. I could see him. Uh, around the $40 million range, actually. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, it seems like both those guys are going to be kind of in a race of sorts to who can break the tight end market first um, before, you know, some of these other guys get big contracts like Evan Ingram, who's going to be coming up in a year or so. Uh, some of these other young dynamic tight ends. Uh, Hunter Henry, like you kind of alluded to, my only concern with him is the health. He's never played a full 16-game season. In fact, he missed all of 2018 with a knee injury. So I have my concerns for Hunter Henry there. With that said, if he's available, he had 55 receptions last year, uh, over 600 yards, five touchdowns, and he didn't even play the entire year. He's injured. He was a little bit banged up again last season. But that's pretty solid production for the tight end position, especially when we consider that Phil Rivers was having his struggles uh, over the past year or so. And then Austin Hooper, 75 receptions, nearly 800 yards, six touchdowns. I feel like Cooper's more of a complimentary piece rather than a few, uh, you know, a true mismatch nightmare in the passing game, like a Zach Ertz, like a Travis Kelsey, like a George Kittle. But like th- with that said, he's a very good option at tight end, and he would be a massive upgrade, a massive upgrade over what the Bears have in the roster right now. So another guy that might be of interest to the Bears that – we kind of mentioned earlier is Eric Ebron, who had a down year with the Colts, only 31 receptions, only three touchdowns. Uh, he's a guy that I expect to go in the mode of about five to seven, seven million, uh, kind of in that Jared Cook range for the New Orleans Saints. You know, Eric Ebron's a guy that he's kind of that model of, of inconsistency throughout his career. You know, he's hinted that he wants to join the Bears, so maybe he would take a little bit less money to come here to Chicago. But, you know, Ebron, he kind of had – a really down year for him last year. Obviously there were some things that were outside of his control with Andrew Luck retiring before the season. And it seemed like those two had a very nice chemistry, especially in the red zone where Andrew Luck was willing to throw it up there in double coverage or in contested ball situations and really let him go up and snare it in jump ball uh, situations there. So not having that type of relationship with uh, Jacoby Brissett, who is a clear downgrade from Andrew Luck as well, that might have affected his production overall, but I think Eric Ebron, he's got a lot of upside, and on a two- to three-year deal, I think he'd be a solid option for the Bears as well. Yeah, uh, Eric Ebron, he was a, he was a former first-round pick by Detroit. Uh, I remember he, he really, really struggled his first year in Detroit as a rookie, but that's not, that's not surprising for tight ends. That happens a lot. But he's he's played five significant years and then also his rookie year. And he's put up two very good seasons. And then the rest of them have been very meh. So I think that's something the Bears would have to know that that's what they're getting into bed with. But also when you also have the upside of potentially having Trey Burton come back and at least be a solid starter having those two side-by-side similar to the way that the Colts had Jack Doyle and Ebron side-by-side. I think that could be a really beneficial relationship. And Eric Ebron is, he's only 27 years old, which is extremely young for most free agent tight ends. 
Yeah, so he's got a lot of prime years left in him if he can kind of figure it out and get some consistency going. I know drops are kind of a big issue with him as well, so that's something that will kind of be something to keep an eye on if the Bears would go in that direction. But another player that the Bears go on go with that offers a little bit more consistency and a little bit of a higher floor was a guy we discussed, Greg Olson, uh, the former first-round pick of the Bears, who they, of course, unceremoniously – trading him away because Mike Martz doesn't like his blocking ability, which defeats the whole purpose of drafting him in the first round, of course. But Greg Olson got released by the Carolina Panthers, and he had a solid year last season, 52 receptions, nearly 600 yards receiving, two touchdowns. That's, that's a pretty good year when you consider the fact that Cam Newton was injured for pretty much the entire year, and you know they had really poor quarterback play, maybe even worse than the Bears throughout the season. And Greg Olson, he's kind of been on a, a tour across the NFL so far, meeting with some different teams. He's already visited the Washington Redskins to um, maybe uh, combine with his former head coach, Ron Rivera, there. But he's also met with the Seattle Seahawks and the Buffalo Bills. So he's a guy that looks like you know, he's still got something left in the tank. And at 34 years old, the only question I have for him is whether he can stay healthy for a full season because it, it – it, just seems like even though he was relatively healthy this past year, the, the previous three seasons he was dealing with injuries pretty much all the time, and it just really held him back from being the player that we saw at his peak um, earlier in this decade. Yeah. Um, like you said, he, the injury concerns and being 34 years old, that those are two red flags, but also those are two red flags that will lower his – uh, contract so I think that you could get him for around five million dollars a year honestly maybe even cheaper in Chicago because he's familiar with the area and he's expressed some interest in playing for the team but sadly we saw earlier today he called into Wild Waddle and Sylvie and said that he was really hoping that Ryan Pace would be one of the the first teams to reach out to him about potentially returning to the Bears and he hasn't heard anything from the Bears, from his agent, or from the front office. So the reunion doesn't look that likely now, but hopefully we at least give in a call and see what the price tag is because if we end up spending more money on perhaps a quarterback or a defensive end or an outside linebacker, then we might need a more value-based tight end, and Greg Olson could be a great fit for that. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that uh, with Greg Olson, how – he kind of thought that the Bears would be a little bit more interested at this point. I think the thing to keep in mind here is that we still have about two months until free agency officially begins. So I think while it would be very negligent of the Bears to not at least do their due diligence and you know express that interest in him and bring him in for a visit and kind of see what his asking price is at this point and kind of give him a feel of what his role would be on this team, like we've mentioned, there are some other guys on, you know, available in this free agency period that the Bears might be targeting instead. So yeah. I, while I think it would be, you know, it would be a nice move for them to at least bring him in and see what his interest level is, it's, it's also fair to keep in mind that the Bears might be playing to make a big move for Hunter Henry or an Austin Hooper, and Olsen might not be on their radar as of right now. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, before moving on to other position groups, though, I wanted to get who's one last tight end for you that you think could be of interest to the Bears and that they could end up signing uh, for a cheap, maybe one or two year deal in this offseason. Yeah. Um, one for me is we were talking earlier about the, the Bengals connection with the new coordinator, Bill Lazor. And it's kind of funny because Tyler Eifert is a free agent. And the reason why I find that funny is when we paid through the nose for Super Bowl champion Trey Burton, Pace in his press conference said that he sees that Trey could play an Eifert-like role. And I was pissed at that time because Eifert was a free agent in the same offseason. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks later, he signed for about the fifth. The price was that Trey Burton, who we hoped, would be what Eifert was. Granted, Eifert had way more red flags and injury concerns, but that's a guy that I'd feel comfortable bringing in real cheap. I'm sure he'll get $3 million or less and just 
kind of hope that either him or Burton is healthy. And if they're both healthy, then that could kind of lower the workload for both and hopefully keep them on the football field. Yeah, Tyler Eifert, you know, he'd be a very interesting option, especially if the Bears decide to go with a guy like Andy Dalton at quarterback in the offseason period because both those guys already have that pre-established connection with each other from their time in Cincinnati playing for such a long time there. Um, it's interesting that you bring up that quote uh, from Pace. You know, I feel like Tyler Eifert, he would be, if he's healthy, he'd probably be an upgrade over Trey Burton. In fact, I, he would be an upgrade over Trey Burton if healthy. It's just it's the same thing. Can he stay on the field? That's just been his mantra. He's never been able to have a 16-game season where he's not dealing with some sort of injury and missing time. Um, it, it's just something to keep an eye on. But I think with Bill Lazer here, his former offensive coordinator, maybe you bring in a guy like Andy Dalton, maybe they can convince him to come in for cheap. And that would certainly be an intriguing option for sure. I think one guy that, that's on my radar that I'm looking into is Blake Jarwin from the Dallas Cowboys. This guy had 31 receptions for 365 yards and three touchdowns. And his value will be very much based on the eye of the beholder. You know, he really did not have that big of a role for the Cowboys last season because they signed Jason Witten in the offseason. And he was their number tight end for some reason, even though Blake Jarwin was obviously the better player at this point for them. He's a lot more, a lot more athletic, a lot more of a threat with the ball in his hands, you know, after the catch. He's a pretty good blocker as well, so he would help in the running game for the Bears. Um, but his value is very much based off of kind of like with Trey Burton when the Bears signed him. Is a team willing to project what he did in terms of his limited snaps in Dallas and project that to a starting role and give him a big contract? Or is he going to have to sign a short-term deal where he's not making a lot of money and kind of prove himself in a big-time role? You know, if I'm the Bears, I would sign him to maybe a one- or two-year deal where I'm not paying him a lot of money and seeing what he can do with an extended role in the offense. Um, but he does have some intriguing traits uh, that the Bears could make use of, especially with the blocking element of his game. Yeah, and – I do like Jarwin. The one thing to watch on Jarwin, though, is he's a restricted free agent. Mm -hmm. So depending on what the, the tender the Cowboys place on him, it might drive, drive down his price range. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, what's interesting for them is they have a lot of decisions to make this offseason because they have to pay Dak Prescott a huge contract in order to keep him. They're going to have to pay Amari Cooper. Byron Jones is going to be available for them possibly leaving as their number one cornerback. So Dallas Cowboys are in a spot where maybe they'll let a Blake Jarwin go in free agency. And, you know, if a team's willing to pay him um, a pretty hefty contract. But, again, that's something that will definitely be on my radar in the offseason to see if the Bears can maybe scoop him up for a cheap deal if the Cowboys aren't willing to commit to him. Um, yep. So moving on from the tight end spot, we're going to look at the offensive line, some interior offensive line options. Kind of the last need for this Bears is to upgrade that right guard spot, which was you know, a very rough season at that right guard spot for the Bears. Obviously, the big name here is Brandon Sheriff from the Washington Redskins. Uh, he's a guy that he might be looking to kind of be the top guy in the market this year at that right guard position. He's a three-time pro bowler. The only concern I have for him is the injuries. He's been battling injuries the last three years and didn't really look the same uh, this past season. It's also still possible that the Washington Redskins will franchise tag him and keep him there uh, for this upcoming year and see if he can stay healthy. But as of right now, he's considered the top player on the market. Yeah, um, he's definitely the, the top offensive lineman on the market. Uh, yeah. I wonder if he looked worse this season due to age and durability issues because he did miss I believe about four or five games for mm -hmm. injury this year but also I wonder if part of it is just with Trent Trent Williams being missing that if that had a negative impact on their offensive line as a whole yeah it's certainly possible I mean Trent Williams is, he's one of the top five left tackles in the entire game right now uh, when he's when he's healthy and right, um, that could definitely be part of it, which makes me kind of um, I wouldn't say uninterested, but kind of question whether it would be you know worthwhile for the Bears to 
go after a guy like Brandon Sheriff, especially for that type of money. Um, because while he does have the talent as a former top five pick, you know, the injuries are a big concern. And if his last year of play is any indication, he might be a guy that's maybe on the downside of his career, similar to what we saw with Kyle Long um, mm-hmm. with his time with the Bears where he started off and he was excellent. And then once the injuries start to come into place, his play slowly and surely started to decline to the point where uh, he was unrecognizable this past season. So I wonder if that might be the case for a Brandon Sheriff. Um, but there are some other good players in the market as well to fill that right guard spot for the Bears. I look at a guy like Joe Tooney from the New England Patriots. You know, it's very unlikely to me that the Patriots are going to pay him top dollar to keep him uh, in New England. You know, it's just not Bill Belichick's style. He's, he's going to let him go in free agency, it seems like. Graham Glasgow from the Detroit Lions. Um, they could franchise tag him or they could let him leave. I think it's more likely that they let him leave in free agency because he's a very good starter, but he's not quite that top level of guard that we see like a Brandon Sheriff or, or Joe Tooney where those guys are Pro Bowl level players consistently year in and year out. Yeah, and personally, I actually I like Graham more than I like Tooney and Sheriff, which maybe that's just because I get a little buyer's remorse or hesitation looking at Sheriff and Tooney's uh, price tag. So maybe it's more of getting a, a rock solid starter for sub $10 million a year that I'm more interested in Glasgow. But he's, he's someone that I look at as the best fit on the market. Yeah, one thing I like about Glasgow is he has that versatility to play center or right guard for them. So if they decide in training camp that Cody Whitehair might not be the best fit at that center spot and they want to move him again, uh, they could shift things around where Graham Glasgow can take over that center spot and be effective there. In terms of some other guys in the market, Andrews Pete from the New Orleans Saints, he's going to be available this offseason. He's been a pro bowler the last two years. And then Connor McGovern, a guy who, similar to Glasgow in Detroit, uh, McGovern played for the, the Denver Broncos the last few seasons. and he started off as their right guard there, but he played for center for them this past season and kind of found uh, his footing at that spot for the Broncos this past year. So those two are also his options as well for the Bears. Yeah, and there is five locked-in starters at a position. Is that's not a that's not a bad situation to be in when you have a need to fill, but. Also, this is a, a great offensive line class, and with two second-round picks, that's that's right in the heat of top offensive guard territory for the draft. So perhaps we fill our need there as well. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting. And we're going to actually discuss that uh, coming up shortly with our strategies for how the Bears should kind of traverse this offseason to upgrade this offense. But before doing that, we're going to take our final uh, break of the show for another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Uh, We just spent a bunch of time talking about who was going to be on the market for the Bears in this upcoming free agency period. And now I wanted to go into what our strategies would be for this offseason in terms of what we want the Bears to do to address these needs in free agency before the draft and how that would impact the draft as a whole. So, Alex, I'm going to start with you. What was your general philosophy, you know, approaching this free agency period, and how would you go about addressing these needs on offense for the Bears? Yeah. um, This might sound crazy to listeners at first, but if you take a moment and just listen with me, I think you'll you'll get my point on what I've been thinking about this offseason. But, Personally, even though our defensive unit is significantly better than our offense, I would spend a majority of our our cap space this offseason on the defense rather than the offense. So personally, I think in the draft, the offensive talent is significantly higher than the defensive aspect of the draft. And I also think defensive players take longer to – develop the abilities and learn the defense and the schemes and make high-level impacts on the game. So personally, I would spend a majority of our cap space. So in, perhaps instead of 
going after a sheriff or a Teddy Bridgewater type of player, perhaps you use that 20 to $30 million on some more impact pass rushers, like perhaps uh, Jadavian Clowney, Dante Fowler. Well, those are the bigger names and are likely going to fall out of our budget. They're still the guys that I would do everything in my power to keep the cap space available for them. So I would, I would spend most of my money on the defense, the one position that on the offense that I'd like to sink significant cap dollars into is the tight end this offseason, just because tight ends, um, they are extremely important to this off, offense. And then also rookie tight ends tend to really struggle. So I would like someone who's ready to come into this offense and make a difference just day one, and I think that signing a tight end like Austin Hooper or Hunter Henry would give us the the best chance for that to happen at the tight end position. Well, it's uh, it's interesting that you say you want to go more towards a defensive route in this free agency period. I'm the exact opposite with you. Um, so I like the core personally on the defensive side of the ball. I think you do as well. Uh, they have a great foundation there. If it were up to me with the way that the offense performed last season, I would go bargain shopping on the defensive side of the ball and try to be as aggressive as possible in fixing this offense. Because while I, I agree that this offensive draft class is very talented, especially at the wide receiver position, like we've said so many times before in previous episodes, um, this offense needs immediate contributions right away with guys that you know have proven ability in the NFL. So in terms of what specific moves, uh, what, do you, what is your ideal offseason in terms of who you're bringing in at each position and uh, what you're doing there? Yeah, um, I'll start a quarterback. Um, as I stated earlier, my ideal situation is Derek Carr falls right in our lap. Um, if I could get him without using much draft capital, I also if Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers we were able to get a bargain, both cap or both draft capital and also cap space. I'm in, but other than that, I I have I don't have interest in spending significant money on a non top 15 quarterback. I think that's how you end up having a franchise flounder. So I would look more at for a backup, bringing competition, get rid of Chase Daniels. So if Alex Smith is healthy, I'd love to have him. If not, I would take uh, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor for a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, sub $10 million a year, and just have Mitch on a short lease with a competent backup and just see what they can do. What about you? What are you looking at for the quarterback position? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there on the Derek Carr thing. In fact, I'm all in on uh, trading for Derek Carr if he's made available. Now, I'll, I'll leave the caveat there that this is only if the Raiders officially make a move to replace him. Like, it's been reported by Adam Schefter at ESPN that uh, Tom Brady, uh, it, it looks like the Raiders have significant interest in Tom Brady and would be willing to pay him top dollar for the next two or three years, around $35 million per year, to bring him in, um, which would be very interesting, to say the least. Um, uh, in that specific specific case, I don't see the Raiders having too much leverage in a situation in terms of trading Derek Carr because they have to be spending over $50 million at quarterback in order to keep both those guys on the roster, which they're not going to do. They're going to have to cut Derek Carr at some point in order to relieve that cap space um, and in order to spend some money at other positions to upgrade the roster. That That's just not happening. Um, so I think if I'm the Bears, I would be approaching that where – I would call them up and say, you know, the second round picks are off limits, but we have a fourth round comp compensatory pick that's going to be available. We have a bunch of picks on day three of the draft as well. Um, I would be offering up those late round picks and seeing what can work out with the trade scenario there. Um, one thing I came up with was maybe a fourth round comp pick, a future conditional pick, or maybe add in a guy like Taylor Gabriel because the Raiders desperately need another wide receiver to add to that team because they just had uh, no reliable weapons besides Hunter Renfro in the slot um, at that wide receiver position for them last year. So maybe give them Taylor Gabriel on a cheap deal for them at wide receiver. Um, and I think Derek Carr, he gives the Bears a proven starter who played at a Pro Bowl level in the past. He's on a team-friendly deal like we've mentioned, and 
the Bears can move on at any point. I think that's a win-win for um, Derek Carr going to a better situation in terms of talents around him and the Bears getting a competent starter for the present and potentially the future. Yeah, and not only do we need a quarterback, uh, we need to protect the quarterback. So that right guard spot is crucial to fix. Um, this is less so about my opinion on the Bears, more so on just the approach I would take if I was a general manager. But personally, I think it's best to only spend significant money on a maximum of three offensive linemen at a time just because you do not want uh, multiple expensive aging veterans, even though it, those that is one of the most important positions to fill on your team. Um, you do want to be able to have the flexibility to move on. Like For example, this year we had Kyle Long, we had Bobby Massey, we did have Charlie Lendl, and all three of them were more on the expensive side. And then we extended white hair and having that much cap sunk into them, we weren't very deep in backups. So personally, I think that right guard is a replacement we can get in the second round. I think we can get some of the higher end guard talents. Uh, even on our mock draft last week, I had Tyler Biata. She's the number one center of the draft and then perhaps move James Daniels and, and Whitehair to both play guard. Um, just have cheaper, more control over the offensive line. And I think that's something that could really benefit the rest of the team going forward. Yeah, I can definitely see uh, that strategy working out, especially if you can get a guy like Biotis in the second round. That would be a kind of perfect, I think, for the Bears. But for me personally, I'm kind of going that opposite direction once again, where, you know, I feel like my philosophy here is I don't want to leave any holes on this roster before the going into the draft just because I feel like once you get to that point then if you have a, a gaping hole at right guard then you're gonna have to feel the need to you know maybe reach on a guy in early in the draft in order to fill that starting position and I just don't want to be in that put in that situation to where I might have to you know pass up on better talents in the draft in order to fill that spot so I went in and signed we'll go on and sign a guy like Graham Glasgow from the Lions um pass on Sheriff and Tooney, who are going to be a little bit on my price range. I think Glasgow is a guy that because, you know, he's not considered as one of the better guards in football, you can get him at a little bit of a discounted rate, um, maybe as a type of deal where it's a four-year maximum of about $40 million total, probably even less than that. I think his going rate will be around 7 uh, to $8 million per year probably, which is a good rate for a starting quality guard in the NFL. Um, and the bears could definitely structure the contract in a way to where they could backload the cap hits into later years to deal without killing their cap necessarily and keep those first couple of years kind of uh, minimal, like four or 5 million in the first couple of years. So that way that they're not um, absolutely destroying their calf in the short term and long term. Yeah. And that's, that's the guy that if I was going to sign an offensive lineman, that's the guy I would target. So I like that pick there. Um, so as I stated earlier, I think uh, tight end is the, the biggest need on the bears, this uh, the bears offense this off season. And honestly, the biggest need on the bears entire team this off season. And it's the only offensive position I'd want to sink significant money into this year. And, Ideally, we go after Hunter Hunter Henry. I think he's franchise tagged. So in that case, I would reach out to Austin Hooper. Um, while he isn't the blocker that some of the other tight ends are, he's still young. He's a dynamic receiving threat. And I think having him would just open up the offense a little more. And that's something that we desperately need after seeing us flounder in 2019 offensively. Yeah, I like going after an Austin Hooper, especially in the situation where the Bears aren't spending a lot of money to upgrade right guard in free agency necessarily. Maybe they just bring in a one-year veteran stopgap at a cheap price to fill that role and, and draft the guy. But um, in terms of what, in my situation, what I would do at tight end, um, I'm going to keep J.P. Holtz as a restricted free agent. Um, he'd be making less than 600000 per year at that rate. So I think that's a, a very good investment for the bears. I thought he had a very good role as a blocking tight end for them, kind of that fullback tight end hybrid. 
uh, which I really liked about his game. And then I would sign Eric Ebron a two-year deal worth about $13 million and kind of structured similar to his deal that he signed with the Colts in free agency where um, he's got a lesser cap hit in his first year. But then um, if he does do well, you can keep him for a bigger cap hit in the second year uh, with some incentive-based uh, parts of the contract there as well. Um, I think he would give the Bears a true presence in the red zone, which they desperately needed because Allen Robinson was really their only red zone threat last year. And he also has the upside to be their number one tight end. And I'm of the opinion that anything you get from Burton, uh, whatever it is, it's a bonus, not an expectation. I don't have any expectations for him next season. It's kind of like, uh, you know, with Kevin White in his last year with the Bears to where, you know, if he's healthy and gives you anything, that's a plus, but I'm not planning on it. And, you know, the, the plan is to move on from him after 2020 uh, going forward. Yeah, I think I think Ebron's a, a nice – while he's not as steady as some of the other options, we talked about his boomer bust earlier, he is always going to be a red zone threat. So at the very worst case scenario, which I'm not saying will happen, he would be a clearly upgraded Adam Shaheen. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so with that, I think that's going to conclude our time here. We spent quite a bit of time going over some of the options for the Bears and free agency on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to be doing the defense and going over uh, what the Bears will you know, have in store for them there in terms of who's available and what their needs will, are going to be. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us here, Bears fans, though. Um, we look forward to doing more NFL draft discussions coming up in the future as the NFL draft scouting combine is coming up later in the month in February and pro days is set to uh, come into fruition uh, throughout the ongoing months before free agency starts to begin in March. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. And look forward to talking defense with you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.